still in southwest London? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? Do you live yeah, on Plough Lane itself? I live, um, I mean, I, I sometimes joke that the reason we went back to Plough Lane was so I could walk to the games. I live at the top of a hill nearby. I don't know if you know the area at all. But I do. I do know it well. It leads up to the southwest corner of Wandsworth Common, I'd say. Oh, it's glorious, that part of the world. Uh, some of my favourite charity shops are in Wandsworth. I lived for a while in Merton and Rains Park, and I have, well, I, I will try not to keep you longer than an hour. Whatever, I, um, I'm retired, I've just finished the book, um, and I was waiting through my list of photographs and trying to put captions for them, ready to send them off to the publisher, and wait for him to say they're not good enough quality. No, they don't do that at pitch, they go, they're absolutely fine. Grumble's the wrong word, but the observation I'd make they seem to think I know what I'm doing. And I've never written a book before, so I keep having to say, what happens now? What do you want me to do? <laughs> but you say you don't know what you're doing, but you have two people you can call on um, who, who will know. One is the commercial director of AFC Wimbledon, Ivor Heller, to whom I am indebted for this conversation. And two, <laughs> I might as well get him out the way. John Green, how's the script going? Oh, no, the, the film is uh, dead. I didn't know that. Funny enough, I was just writing a piece for Womble's... What's it called? Womble Down Under, WDSA. So Womble Down Under Supports Association. I was just writing a piece for them about my book and saying how relieved I was that the film never got made. I was the last one to sign up to it. I, I really didn't want to, but in the end I thought, well, the club will make some money and it'll be good publicity. And I had this naive dream that it would come out right about the time the new stadium opened. Well, eventually, I mean, what happened was uh, we got through, I got, we got to a fair, we got to a detailed script. In fact, I read it. But I think the studio was pulling in two or three different directions and, and it went exactly the way I feared. Which Development was, hell. Well, it, it, needs, it needs more female interest, so let's big up the role of one of the women. And it ended up, and, and, I, and I was looking back on it when I was writing this thing for WDSA and thinking the trouble with films is, A, it was, they did it up to promotion of the football league. So it was nine years in an hour and 45 minutes. And B, you have to have a hero in a film. You have to. And actually, that's not how it's been. There are no heroes, in my opinion. Or rather, there are lots and lots of heroes. And it would be wrong to single out any one or two or three of us. And I know that I would probably be one of them. It was also quite clear to me that the scriptwriter couldn't work out quite how to represent what I did. Well, they, I think... They could do it metaphorically because you're the chap, Eric Samuelson, who took the sum of a sovereign per year. Oh, uh, guinea. Found a 5p, which I hope you invested wisely because they'll be worth at least pound nine now. They never paid me, but then I never signed the contract. But one of the club sponsors, Ian McNay of Cherry Red, actually gave me a real gold guinea as a thank you oh. for one of our away days. And um, that's in my wife's jewellery case, if any thieves are reading. Please don't. So uh, <laughs> the idea behind it is that um, for any contract to be valid, there has to be money paid. Acceptance agreement consideration. Word. I learned that at law school. Consideration. And it was going to be a pound, and as a joke, I said, that doesn't sound really posh, can we make it a guinea? And they said, yeah. Of course, most people nowadays don't know what a guinea is. But um, I know, I've read Just William, so I, I do know of the guinea, but they've, they've phased them out. In fact, what's a guinea worth nowadays, like a tenner? Um, a real gold guinea. Um, mm, priceless. It's in pristine condition. Three, four, five hundred quid. Well, that will buy me lots of copies of your book. See, I've done a lot <laughs> of these. <laughs> All together now on pitch. This show will go out 
uh, two years to the day that you stood down or retired. From... Well, if you know the date, I don't. Sometime I'm... in April. I only I only saw on the um, website that the timestamp was April the eighth. This comes out April the ninth. It is the day before Accrington Stanley against the Associated Football Club of Wimbledon. Um, who's a nicer club, Accrington or AFC Wimbledon? Um, just one thing, AFC doesn't stand for association. Oh, what does it stand for? Nothing. Oh. When they went to uh, register the name with the London FA, they said, I mean, they sort of jokingly said, can we call ourselves Real or Real Wimbledon? He said, not a good idea. <laughs> and they said, how about Wimbledon AFC? And he said, no, it'll not get through, it's too close. And they said, AFC Wimbledon. He said, yeah, okay. That's it. It genuinely stands for nothing. I'm so sorry. That is that shows that no, I'm a buffoon. Right. Nothing to be sorry about. Well, you didn't know, but you do now. It's fine. I knew the club has to legally be referred to as AFC Wimbledon, um, and we're not going to mention but why. It, it and it doesn't have to be. Um, that's its. That's its the name of the. Yeah, the legal name. The legal name is one of. But yes, you are known if as. You look Wimbledon. at the um, look at the fixture list. You'll often see Wimbledon top left, with just beginning with a W. Um, they dropped the AFC. Well, one, of the, one of the things I mention in my book is that um, AFC Croydon Athletic went to register with the London FA. There's an unminuted note that somebody told me about where they said, well, they'll do it, but that's the last one because all these AFCs bugger up the uh, fixture list. Yeah, undoubtedly, yes. They don't, call, they don't let anybody else call them that. So, well, a- a- Accrington, Accrington are not AFC, um, although they come no, before not, all the uh, AFCs. They're really nice people. I, I really like Andy Holt, who's a very outspoken, down-to-earth, sensible, and um, their club secretary, Mike, oh God, I'm hopeless on names, is it Mike Turner? It was actually, I rang him up for the book to find out. I couldn't work out when the floodlights failed during the second playoff semi-final. I just couldn't find any film that showed it or any report. So I rang him up and he very kindly watched the relevant parts of the game to tell me exactly when they failed and then why they failed. Which is all in the book. I don't know how many clubs would have done that to help, but he did. I'm I'm glad you've illustrated that point because this is the nice derby. In fact, in the football library, onto whose shelves your book all together now will go, uh, there is a room called the Andy Holt Lounge where people can um, plot revolutions to do with football while having coffee, <laughs> while pouring over glorious coffee table books. And uh, I've decided to decorate the room with the words "Good morning" and "By the way" on the three walls. Because that's Andy's catchphrase. That'll be what Andy's book is called. But I read a lot about Accrington, especially in various books in the library. And there are a couple about AFC Wimbledon. Niall Cooper's book, This Is Our Time, came out on Cherry Red. Yes, I've got that by my side as we speak. I, um, the bit I was writing for the WDSA, I was saying that I very... I mean, I remember it well because he sent me drafts of pretty well all of it as he was writing it and... I remember getting quite agitated at first because it had lots of stuff in that wasn't true. And then I realised that actually it wasn't that it wasn't true, it's just everybody has a different truth and a different recollection and why fight it, it actually adds to it rather than subtract from it. Yeah, it will, it but is. I didn't again until towards the end of my book when I went to it just to check some facts and also to make sure I'd not left anything out, the really substance. I was afraid if I read it before I started, I'd, I'd be too close to what it does, and I wanted to be different. That's very smart. And Niall is on, as far as I know, he's on the Don's Trust Board. Are you still on the Trust Board? No, no, no. I, um, I was one of the instigators of a change of the rules that made me step down. 
2009-ish. Oh. Because it was a nonsense. If you um, if you think about it, I was Chris Stewart was um, must have been before two thousand and nine. Let's say two thousand and seven. Chris Stewart was the chairman of the football club, and I was the finance director. And I reported to him. And because he was a paid employee, he wasn't allowed to be Donsworth's board member. So he would go and attend Donsworth's board meetings. But Ivor and I were board members, so he was reporting to a board including two of the people who reported to him. Bloody nonsense. So we decided it ought to be rationalised, and you can't now be a member of the parent board. The short answer is I'm not on the Dunstress board, and indeed I stepped back from everything except chairing the charity two years ago, and I'm stepping back from that this summer too. Right. Um, again, we, like a lot of small organisations, uh, and it, it, it seems weird to call a, thir- a third-tier football club a small organisation, the politics is well, it such. Is. Its turnover is under five million, or about five million. I think that's not that's a that's a SME business. You know, it's small. Yeah. So. What's a big business? Well, what? How do you move from a small medium enterprise to a bigger enterprise? Oh, there are there are definitions. I mean, these are government definitions um, or business definitions. I, I think if you less, you have to have um, total assets in excess of x tens of millions, or turnover in excess of certain tens of millions. I could look it up for you, but certainly five million turnover is, is you know, so it's very small little club. Very handy that you own your own stadium. More of which later. Uh, this sure. this meeting of um, about all together now is it's almost twenty years. Everyone remembers what happens when Pete, what's his face, bought the club and did what he did. And when you, I don't know if you read. Uh, when Saturday comes, but every season they do a season preview and they only approach 91 of the 92 clubs. Well, they still do that, do they? I knew they used to. Still do it. I haven't been to the other stadium. I did speak to a fan of that team. Um, But I do remember one of the games that I imagine you will write about in All Together Now because there are certain moments in the history of Wimbledon AFC uh, that I would like to know uh, if you were at. So the story begins, well, I imagine it would begin before 2002. The story begins when Pete What's-His-Face took over the club. Well, um, my story begins when um, we get the news uh, unofficially the night before the official announcement. I gets a phone call from an insider at the FA saying you've lost. Um, and it goes on to deal with what he and... You're the three founders, and I'm not one of those founders, just to be clear, um, what they did to get it going. I was sort of the guy who, as I always put it, sort of was half a yard behind them. Um, I'll come back to that. He, uh, uh, but then it, it obviously goes, the book is meant to be, I hope will be of interest to people, not just Don's fans, because most people I talk to who are into football say, what a great story. So I thought, well, I'll try and write it so they can understand it too. So probably then backtracks to a little bit of history, only about two pages worth, just to set a bit of context about Sam Hamam, sale of Plough Lane, the the lifting of the covenant on Plough Lane, the sale of it, the move to Crystal Palace, um, the takeover, the sale of the club to the Norwegians and the sale of Plough Lane to Safeway, which is now Morrison's. Morrison's, So it goes back, backtracks on that and explains enough for you to understand why the FA Commission happened. But it really starts the night before the FA Commission's official uh, announcement. And 
because there's another book to be written about everything before that, and I'm not the best person to write that, and indeed I don't think I'll ever write another book. But I was the best person, I think, best placed person to write this book, and that's why I wanted to do it. And there are... I'm the best writer, but I was in the best position to write it. There are 60 people who contributed quotation that you've organised with your own recollections, and they include Ivor Heller, who is in charge of the commercial side of things. Uh, and between you, you watched Wimbledon AFC start off in the combined counties premiere. Was that a lot of hit and hope, long ball? Did you? Did Wimbledon have the, to adjust? Um, it was a Seagrave Haulage combined counties league. Um, it wasn't the Premier League at the time because it wasn't a Division One. Ah, the okay. So it was the league. But, I mean, for what it's worth, and it was um, step eight. Uh, no, step step four. Step uh, four non-league, step eight of English football, yeah. Disconcertingly, another step was inserted above us at the end of our second season. So we got promoted at the end of our second season and stayed same level of depth. Oh, that's the Isthmian um, First Division, which you were promoted to. Well, the Premier League, um, which is what came out of that, had put above it the Conference North and the Conference South. Before that, the Ryman League, Unibon League, League. And, the, and the Southern League um, used to put clubs directly into the conference. That's right. The creation yeah. of North and South effectively demoted the Ryman League, pushed it down a level, and then below the Ryman League was Ryman Division One, and then below that was Combined Counties. So that's how that's that's how it was after the change. Yeah. So we got promoted and stood still. But um, was it? I mean, it was it was just wildly different. I'd never been to a non-league game ever. My sons used to go. They used to go and watch um, Wimbledon and Tooting and Mitcham at Sandy Lane. Used to go and they'd been to uh, Kings Meadow, but I never had. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, was it Hidden Hope? It was. Well, every year I get invited to the final of the Cherry Red League Cup because they sponsor um, the follow-up to the Seagrave Holdage Combined Counties League, as now the Cherry Red Combined Counties League. And I get invited to the League Cup final, and I'm always taken aback at how much the quality of Passing football has, in, has improved since we started. Everyone wants to be a Guardiola team. That's why they well, don't. They sure don't win that, in the old the, way. The pitches are just better. Yeah, the pitches are a lot better. Some of them play on artificial pitches. I think. I think, I think Dorking do, and well, actually, they've been promoted. They spent a bit of money, um, and some of the others. And oh, I enjoy those games. Uh, I enjoy them immensely. But there, was it hit and help? Um, it wasn't the highest standard. I was, I was yesterday, the first 10 years of the club highlights, the discreature com- compendium pack. I was going through year three, I think, to look something up, trying to work out who a goal scorer was. And um, there's some really good football played, um, but there's also some hidden hoof. Yeah, but I then mean, you get some within League One and League Two. That's right. Well, I haven't been down that low. I live near Boreham Woods. I'm in Watford, so I'm near Boreham Wood and St Albans and Hemel. Good amateur level. Yeah. Well, Boreham Wood are in the conference. I mean, they actually got to the playoff final. I was there. I was at that playoff final, and Tranmere went up, and thank God for that because they're they're a serious side with the Palioses. I, I imagine that you have wined and dined with the Palioses. No, but I know them. I, last time we travelled, well, a couple of years ago when we travelled north, we have a holiday home in the lakes. We pulled in to see um, Mark and we had lunch with them. Really very pleasant lunch and had a long chat about football. Because Mark was a partner of mine at PwC. Uh, or rather yeah. the predecessor, 
the predecessor firm of PwC. Yes, when um, it was Pricewaterhouse something. No, it was um, Pricewaterhouse merged with Cooper's Deloitte, and I was in the Cooper's Deloitte bit. Right. So that's why I became PwC for Coopers. Is he the only footballer, Palios? I was thinking about this yesterday. Is he the only footballer who has become a management consultant? Oh, I doubt it. I know Steve Palmer has gone into IT, and there are lots of managements, people on boardrooms, like Edwin van der Sar. I I mean, I can't answer that. He went off, he uh, he was in the corporate corporate, um, finance part of... Cooper's Deloitte, as it was, if I remember right. I, mean, I didn't really know him there. I, I knew of him, and I knew he'd played at Tranmere and um, chatted very briefly, but I'd never really got to talk to him until, um, got it, well, actually, when we were preparing a club and I rang him up for some advice. Well, he's a good guy. Um, he was badly treated last year, being relegated. No, it's horrific. I'm trying to keep it buoyant, um, because Altogether Now is your book, your, your only book, that will be uh, out in May. And uh, we talk as you are looking at some of the pictures that will uh, dot the middle of the book. Will they celebrate the promotion to the Conference South and to the... Nas- what, well, what was the National League South? Or was it the Conference South? In Conference, those days? It was the Conference South. Yeah, it was. I thought so. Leagues. Yeah, it was Brian Barwick that renamed um, it. I've tried not to have too many action photos... Uh, I'd rather have tried to have a balance. So um, the first four photos in the book are the founders because I thought people would ought to know what they look like or rather what they looked like uh, 19 years ago yeah. as the pictures taken of them coming back from one of our first games. They're all on the same team coach. So, uh, and was one so of them I, driving I, the coach or did you hire a van driver? No, no, it's it's not the Bobby Gould Wimbledon semi-final story. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they were there. They better not have been. They're all drinking. They, um, this, this included among the action photos clearly of um, Manchester promotion final and the Wembley promotion final. And there's only a few of each of those. There's also photos of. Um, I wanted to show some what the various key characters looked like. So what Terry Eames looked like, Nicky English, Terry Brown, Dave Anderson. Neil Ardley, Wally Downs. I wanted people to say, oh, yeah, that's what it looks like. Because I think they're interested. There's some photos of the um, Merton Civic Centre while the planning committee meeting's going on before they take them to the back of the room. Another photo of me sort of in action talking at that. That's the only photo of me in the book. I didn't there'd be many. Um, there's photos of the stadium being built, the new stadium, the old one being demolished. I went to the old one at the last evening, and I, I said I was with a, a partner, and I, I said, do you want to go and see the last night at Wimbledon Dogs? And we commuted from Canary Wharf, got there. The queue was astronomical, and we just gave up, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and then, because I'd, I knew the Wimbledon story, and I think everyone had the idea that they wanted some romance, but I have seen racing at the dogs. I went there for a friend's birthday in about 2012, 2013, uh, and that is now Plough Lane Stadium. It's very much the same piece of land. It's not quite the same, but that's only a pedant talking. If you regard yeah. as the stadium is being built on the same piece of land, you're not far off. Yeah, it's the same kind of easements necessary for it, but... Uh, we'll, we'll get to off the pitch later. I'm um, curious to know, this is where I test you on how well you know the employees. So you were at Wembley, go up to League Two, beating Luton Town in the conference playoff final. Can you name yeah. the starting 11? 
Oh, um, in that, well, Seb Brown, obviously, because he saved the penalty. Let me see. The centre-backs were Jamie Stewart and Brett Johnson. Yep, correct. Who moved to left-back when Gareth Goulin went off. Uh, he was recovering from an injury, didn't last. And um, Ishmael Yakubu came on to replace him and Brett went left-back. Right-back was Sam Hatton. The midfield, as I was saying this to my son the other day, there's one player almost everybody forgets, including me, the last time I tried to do this in midfield. So I'll start with him. That's um, Rashid Tuks Yusuf. He was in midfield. Luke Moore, who was my man of the match. Who else was there? Got him. Um, the the dog from EastEnders. Oh, Ricky Wellard. Yeah. Um, hang on. I know Stephen, uh, I've got a friend called Stephen Godfrey. Stephen Gregory. Stephen Gregory in the centre of mid. Yep. It was Kaid Mohammed and Danny Kedwell. That's brilliant. James Mully came on for someone, and um, I, I think, and Lee Minchell came on for Stephen Gregory, which was a bit frustrating because the idea was that Christian Jolly was meant to come on and use his pace at the end. But Stephen Gregory got injured, uh, really pleasant tackle, and couldn't see the game out. One of the th- strange things about me, which is, if you publish it or not, I don't think it's pretty interesting, is that um, I have a condition called aphantasia, which means I have no visual memory. I can't picture any of this, so if I want to know what it looked like, I have to go and watch it on the video. Oh, gosh. I can't even picture my children. I close my eyes. So when you ask me who it is, I have to do it by sort of mentally running through the, the, the team in its, in its shape. I can't picture any of them. There are thousands of people who can reel that off like they can reel off the Liverpool side of 1977. So that's even more impressive for you. Um, And the manager was Terry Brown, who um, managed for five years and he took Wimbledon from the Isthmian Premier up to the Football League. Are you still in touch with Terry Brown? I imagine you spoke to him for the book. Yeah, I interviewed him um, twice because we had far too much to talk about together. And anyway, all my interviews were um, extended chats with a rough structure, because I thought I found it so much more from people by letting them ramble. So letting the conversations ramble, not the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. there's only so much rambling you can do. But um, what did you have particular beats that you wanted to push? Did you want to say, how did you feel when, who's your favourite player, that kind of thing, in all these well, conversations? Well, I started with Terry unusually, I mean, with everybody else, um, for example, when I interviewed, or I don't know, Alan Bennett, who was a centre-back who played for us under Neil Ardley. I'd start with, you know, let's, uh, I've looked you up, um, you know, Alan, you've got uh, an unusual history. You were signed out of Ireland for QPR, and yet you never played for them. Which I think it was Reading, not QPR. So let's talk about that. But with Terry, I actually had all these interview notes from his, um, when we appointed him, and his CV, and yeah. everything to hand, including the other candidates. So there's no point asking me, asking about his history, I had it all in front of me. So I, I, with him, I started with, let's start at the end, looking back on it, how do you feel about it? And then, uh, having looked back on it, we went into certain key instances I wanted to talk about. Can you tell us whom you, you picked Terry Brown over, or is that confidential? Um, I try to remember if it's in the book or not. Um, or was there a very close second candidate? Was it between Terry and... Someone else. So there was, there was uh, Stuart Cash applied when we appointed Dave Anderson. That's it. Um, so Stuart came along as Terry's number two. Uh, if I remember right, it was um, Graham Wesley. Ooh, yeah, we went to Stevenage and many others. Well, but only there. John Rains, who had got Sutton into the conference, he'd done really well anyway. 
I'm struggling to remember who the fourth one was. And the Sutton appointment would have to come over from Sutton is very easy because they're a couple of miles away. So it would have been a. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't have had to put him up in a house. Yes, I mean, culturally, John. The thing about Terry was he'd done something not wildly dissimilar at Aldershot, who'd uh, who'd gone through a different route, but they'd ended up in roughly the same place as us, with big crowds down at the bottom of the pyramid. So he'd been there, seen it all, done it all before, got them up to a conference, and then just failed to get them into the league and left because um, Susie had leukemia. Uh, stepped down in the February and then you know, needing to work and her encouraging him to get back to work was free and she's really well by the way so I feel more comfortable saying this uh, was our good luck was he was free to apply for us because he was the he was the obvious candidate and um, you know, we, we challenged him and gave him a hard time but um, ah, he, he was he was the best person and clearly he was because he won us three promotions in four years and was that the plan with us five was yeah, the plan football league within five year. years? Promotion in the first year, promotion in the second year, consolidation in the third year, promotion in the fourth year, consolidation in the fifth year, and that all fell apart in the five and a half year. Yeah, and that that was the year, 2012, where I think I watched this game because I knew the story. I was back in Watford at the time, and it was Wimbledon against Bubba on the telly, and Bubba won 2-1. But around 2012 as well, off the pitch, uh, you won the... Who has the Big Society Award? Is it you or is it in the clubs? Um, I've been into the clubhouse. At, uh, it's, in the clubs, it's in the club's archive somewhere. I right. can't honestly say where it is. Um, it was done as a... If I remember right, the, the, the trophy or whatever you want to call it, was done in the style of a Downing Street street name, I think. Am I imagining that? Oh, we went to um, about... Eight of us, maybe ten, a group of us of um, a couple of volunteers, a couple of dancers, board members, Ivor and me, went to Downing Street and um, about seven or eight other groups and we were sort of put into corners of a very large room and David Cameron came in and um, I was impressed that, that he'd been obviously briefed five minutes before he came in the room but held it long enough to be able to sound like he knew who we were. Because, you know, why would a Prime Minister really know who we were? But uh, I thought he did, I thought he did that pretty well, and he gave, then he gave his um, stump speech to big society winners, and off we went. Yep. It's in it's your, interesting street. In your speech, you praised the high ethical standards of the club, um, which has had bits and pieces of problems. Um, didn't when you deducted points for fielding a player that wasn't registered properly, but that's probably just paperwork. That's not ethics. Well, it's not really re- registering, no pun intended, that um, somebody transferring to you from Wales has actually needs an international transfer certificate. Oh, it's no. a different... Yeah, I'd, I'd feel the same. <laughs> they operate under a different FA, and what perfectly reasonably, if it, were, you know, if it was France or whatever, you want to know that A, they're entitled to come to you, and B, they're not, not subject to any ban. So you need something that says, yes, they've got a clean licence, if you... I mean, it's not a licence, but you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. That they're cleared to play, and you're supposed to do that with everybody who comes from Wales or Scotland, because it's an international transfer. When they register, they register with the uh, Welsh FA, even though there are Welsh clubs playing in the English Football yes. League. They are registered with the Welsh FA, and that's what stuffed us. Some would, um, some would say that the deliberate arcana of football registration is one of the painful things about the game in which you operated. We should have known. In fact, I think. 
Trevor Williams was secretary at the time. He did know, um, but somehow it just didn't get done. It happened to us again in a different way later, uh, after uh, under a different club secretary. None of us had the faintest idea how you run a football club when we started. Trevor was the expert because he, he knew lots of people in the non-league game and he, he knew lots of clubs, but he really didn't know much more than us. But that made him prime candidate to be club secretary, whether he liked it or not, he got appointed. And, you know, and we made mistakes, and, and that one could have cost us a lot of money, not, not a, a lot of points. In the end, it only cost us three, but they originally fined us 18 points. Well, it happens, and you yeah. have to be alert to it and, and learn from it. Yeah, it doesn't happen again. As long as it doesn't happen again, that is perfect. Was the most surreal moment of being involved with the AFC Wimbledon project the 5th of January 2015? This is... You, you should remember when Liverpool came to town. Oh, yes. Um, no, it wasn't surreal. It was um, it was stressful. Um, I think you could argue it's one of the most stressful things. Um, just a couple of things. One was um, we were... I used to go down to watch our reserves play at Merstham, down just to the other side of the M25. And we were playing there when the draw was made. And I think... I swear to you, it was no more than three, four minutes after the draw was made that... Uh, I got a phone call on a local radio station up in Merseyside. And I thought, oh, bloody hell, that's impressive that they found me so quickly. And it also gave me a sense of what, how different it would be playing them. It's the one time I mean, the police were very adamant that Liverpool fans... We could only offer them 820 places. Yeah, precisely, you can only offer like 15% of your crowd. Well, you have to offer 15%. Yeah. Uh, but actually, the way our ground was structured was we could only really give them half the terrace on the uh, east side of the ground and one block of seats because only two of our stands had seats and because the demand for the seats is so high, a serious majority of those seats were sold as season tickets, so we couldn't do anything about that. We never could. We kept one block for away fans and I think we let them have some there. I think we did. And then this really, frankly, not very good terrace that they used to go on. So they get 800 and something tickets, which probably 700 and something were standing. I remember we had a long debate about putting the price up, and we decided not to, which PR effect of, it was a Daily Mail was going on about which Liverpool for £4, because that's how much it cost under 16, under 18 to stand yeah. on the terrace, which I thought was well worth the, the extra money we might have made from putting was the it, price up. Was it on it BT been, or BBC? It ethical to have the price up. It wouldn't have been what we do to put the price up. No, absolutely not. Uh, but the police kept saying, you know, they're going to find Liverpool fans everywhere. You need to search the ground the day before they come. You need to search on the morning of the game. You need to keep searching. There's Every probably time, you know, there's probably 800 Liverpool fans in Kingston-upon-Thames alone. Uh, it may well be. Um, but in fact, I was so I only really relaxed, funnily enough, when the game kicked off mm-hmm. for once. Because then I knew that everybody was in the ground. There's no signs of... Masses of people scaling the walls. In fact, the Liverpool fans were absolutely no bother. They were lovely. The only downside was that we lost Stephen Gerrard to Wimbledon 1. He scored both the goals and headed a shot off the line. Oh, yeah. Um, That's and, right. Uh, I remember reading before the game, Neil hardly said, you know, they said, do you want Gerrard to play? And Neil said, of course we do. We want to play against the best. 
Unless you're thinking, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Well, <laughs> even without Gerard, they would have had, and these are people who started, Chan, Sacco, Henderson, Coutinho. And I can't remember if it was Brendan Rodgers or Jurgen Klopp who was manager. Brendan Rodgers, who it was, was um, Nielsen, was absolutely brilliant with us. As indeed was um, Pochettino when we played Spurs at Wembley. They knew about us, they knew enough about us. Uh, he, he talked to Brendan Rodgers about why we played in a particular way. Well, Rodgers said he expected we'd play in a different way. And Neil said, well, we couldn't and explained why. And you know, that, that he, he was some, uh, this might come out wrong, but he was suitably respectful. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't you know, his Andela club. It was um, well done. Um, he gave us a good game. And um, let's talk football, which I think is the way you ought to behave. And, and, and they and Spurs both did. 